None of my NPCs have any idea about personal space. That's the theme for the day. <laughs> They're just up in your grill. They don't they don't like you at all. They don't like your attitude. It's a weird town, guys. Maybe we should go somewhere else. <laughs> this town sucks, huh? <laughs> From the waiting room in New York City, I am your host, Ishan Ann. Welcome to episode 326 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. It's a little weird saying that little bit of it. Uh, Not so weird saying this bit of it. In this episode, we are talking about gaming with a chronic illness with our guest, Aram Vartian, whom many of you know, but we'll get into that in a second. Uh, So first off, Shane is sick. Um, Who cares? Because that means this is my show, our show, you, dear listeners, and of course, a guest. And we're kicking off uh, a new series featuring hopefully intimate discussions with people who are close to the pod, friends, family, fellow players. And also me. Uh, mostly, mostly it's just you. It's just you every time (laughs) (laughs) talking about things that you want to talk about. So of course, dear listeners, this is Aram, whom you probably don't know best as the editor of this show. You may know him from the any nominated podcast, Kill Every Monster, or also, oh, I don't know, God's Fall, which is actually literally the first, the first time I had ever heard of you was through God's Fall. That's the first time most people heard of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then ran into you in an arcade at um, Gen Con. Yes. And then I drunkenly shout at you that your <laughs> voice is important and should continue. <laughs> right. We were like, hmm, let's have a chat about genocide and also which of these games should we play? Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel you. We're on the same wavelength. Cool. My intensity tends to be one or 10. There's not a lot of room in the middle. There were submarines. We talked about submarines. You were were remarkably knowledgeable about submarines. (laughs) I know a lot about some things. Okay. So a thing, though, that people may not know about you is that uh, you deal with chronic illness. And interestingly, people may not also know that about me. Uh, I'm relatively new to the whole chronic illness game. Um, But I have been wanting to talk about this topic since... Uh, a couple of years ago when I developed long COVID and then subsequently chronic fatigue. So that's where I am here. Um, do you want to give people just a little bit of background on like what your experience is? About four years ago now, I got really sick. I got like bedridden three days sick. Um, I hadn't been that sick in a very long time. And on the th- on the third day, Um, I woke up and my hands didn't work. They were just frozen like lobster claws. And I just figured this was part of me being really, really sick. And as I got up and got moving, I was able to, you know, flex them out. So I went to a doctor. We started a long series of tests and we discovered that I developed rheumatoid arthritis overnight. I was fine. And then I had a severe case of it, like a light switch being turned on which is something I never knew could happen. Like you don't, until you have one of these things, there's all this stuff you have no idea about that no one ever talks about. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, uh, this could have just happened to anyone at any time. It's like getting in a car accident. Yeah. And now something is broken, but it's not like 
setting a bone. It it is it is interesting. Like so, I knew that you were dealing with a chronic condition because you know we were friends and you know you would talk about it. And then, but that was mostly my experience, particularly in like the gaming community of chronic illness until <laughs> until I got sick. Yeah. And, um, and I think like hearing about your experience was useful for me in just knowing that like, all right, like someone else who games a lot and is influential in the community, like also deals with this. So like, certainly it's something that I, I, there are ways to manage, right? I don't necessarily know what those are, but I know that like it can be done. And so I think that's sort of like the, maybe the point of this conversation, if you're listening, whether you are dealing with a chronic illness and want to figure out how to like deal with it in your gaming or if you have someone in your group or you know heaven forbid right you might be feeling perfectly fine right now but who knows what the future holds Uh, maybe this is useful information for you the unknowing is very scary when it first happens and you know the knowledge that it could just happen even though it's also frightening thinking well this could happen to me at any moment if it does happen, the fact that people have gone through it, the fact that it's not unusual, I think would help give some comfort to people as they rearrange their thoughts and their mind about how they're now going to tackle this probably for the rest of their life. So can we talk a little bit about like how this has affected our gaming experiences? Like, I mean, this is, this is often called pen and paper. RPGs, but if you can't, yeah, I can't use a pen. pencil, right? Yeah, I can hold a pen for um, like you know 10, 20 minutes, and even when I do, like, like it just doesn't work as well. Like I can't write as well. I can't hold things as well. I drop stuff randomly. I've shattered so many bowls during <laughs> isolation, man. I have just dropped bowls left and right. So I know I now have to t- you know to basically teach myself to hold things with both hands and just relearn all the basics in order to get through, you know, daily life without having to buy a new set of dishes every two weeks. You mentioned isolation. Like how has it been, like, has it been easier during the pandemic? Like I assume that you are gaming virtually. Yeah. Everything's virtual. I mean, at this point I have to, one of the main reasons is because the drugs I'm on to make my hands work they just crush my immune system. The only mm-hmm. way to deal with rheumatoid arthritis is to reduce the response of your immune system. So therefore, I'm more vulnerable. And during this whole outbreak, it was the worst time to be more vulnerable. So I would just like think about it. Like, do I want my hands to work or do I want to be able to go outside? And that's kind of been the last two and a half years. Yeah, it's it's been sort of a similar experience for me. Like, obviously, it was COVID that sort of got me in this position, right? And like, now I talk to doctors and they're like, well, we don't know what will happen if you get sick again. So maybe don't, yeah. you know? And you got um, it early, right? Yeah, I got it uh, like uh, the first week of lockdown. So I, I by the time like lockdowns were ordered, I, I must have already been infected because after lockdown, I went literally nowhere. So that must have been terrifying. Uh, it was not cool because that, those were when all the stories were like, so I live in New York, right? And these were when all the stories of like the overflowing emergency rooms and like the the morgues and like body bags outside of hospitals were, were coming through. And so, you know, I mapped the route, obviously, to like 
the closest emergency room that like if it comes to if it came to like calling an ambulance because I couldn't breathe, where would I end up? And it was one of the two worst hospitals in New York City. And I was like, all right, that's this is not where I want to be if things go south. So, yeah, we we relocated and then I spent five and a half weeks alone in a, in a room. <laughs> Wow. Just just so you would be near a different hospital in case something yeah, went wrong. Right. Wow. One that was not overburdened. Uh -huh. Yeah. Interestingly, though, like we played Castle Amber streaming during that time. Forgot about that. Right. All right. It was literally my first experience of like, you know, gaming while dealing with a long term illness. Um, and even being like, I remember being like, oh, no, I have to talk for four hours yeah. later today and like I will I will be winded you know um, so like occasionally there being times where I'm like I'm just gonna let someone else talk or take the lead here while I sort of like catch my breath on this you know and, and like things have gotten better since then um, but yeah I mean, even podcasting would sort of be the same thing after you recovered because I edited before and after and I do recall that I was like oh he sounds different like I could hear it in your voice and I could hear the exhaustion as we went on that it's just like not hugely noticeable, but it, but I just hear you so often. I was able to see the difference. Yeah. I mean, also the exhaustion is that I'm tired of shame. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, right. there's always Where's the normal level of exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but at the same time, I remember like, okay, I'm stuck in isolation, but like, what was my outlet? It was... You know, and like, yes, sure, I'm tired, but also really looking forward to like that. You know, there was that our weekly stream and then also like my weekly home game, which we were continuing like via Zoom. They were hugely necessary. I think that a lot of us made that switch to that. A lot of people who probably wouldn't game online are, are now gaming online. But without that, I mean, I would have gone further nuts than I had. It was just, it was a lifeline for a lot of people. And I think for me, that makes it a little hard to sort of parse the difference from before I was sick to after, because that so much coincided with the switch that most of us made from in-person home games to like off to uh, online games. You were making a personal switch at the same time that there was a reset everywhere. So it which was the same thing I was doing. I was having to readjust to who I was at the same time that society was readjusting to what we all were now. And it, I think, I don't know, because we're all barely through this thing. But I think some of my mental state got tied up in that. I think that that transformation period, you know, became a lot more mentally taxing than it would have been. But I don't know yet. It's really hard to judge these things because we're not far enough out of them. When I when I think about like gaming before getting sick, there uh, it, there's like this sunny, happy-go-lucky feeling that I yeah. get. And, and you know, like I think, I think you too, like I've been gaming since like my early teens. So a lot of it is wrapped up in like the, oh, overnight, or get some pizza and yoo-hoo or whatever, right? And like play all night. But even even like as an adult with like responsibilities and a job, you know, that like one night a week where after work you like go to one of our houses and in game was always like, 
you're leaving the office building. You're like, you're free, even if it's like a Tuesday, you know? Yeah. If I do six hours now, I couldn't even imagine a six hour session. I, I would be destroyed <laughs> the next day. Utterly useless. And part, you know, part of that is just age. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, like it is, it's not that it's not happy go lucky or like fun and carefree. Right. But it, there's planning now required for a session, you know, like I, I sort of need to be like mentally and physically prepared for like what, what it, the, the task that is to come, but then also like the aftermath of it, because sometimes like in the middle of it, I'm having fun and I don't realize how taxing it might be. And then like I crash. There's a uniquely taxing element to these games where they can be both physically and mentally taxing, especially, you know, for people with chronic illnesses, it can be really hard to sit in a chair for more than an hour. It can be really hard to talk for more than an hour, to, to have your arm at a certain way, to have lights on so other people can see you. There's a series of things that can be very difficult. And when you have to do anything for three or four hours, it can be really difficult. Yeah. And like, while it is free not to have to like go anywhere to be able to sort of do this in like your home office or your, your living room, right? You make a really good point about, you know, the the zoom tax of yeah. like positioning your body i remember when i was first sick and we even just on i think if you go back on youtube and watch some of our streams you can see like as we go i begin to slump and 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 i remember around that time like when i was still getting used to like what is my body capable of and like people in home group were you know you know, nobody knew that this thing was going to like last years for me. Right. Yeah. So like some, some people were, a couple of people were like, Ishan's always lying down these days, you know? And, yeah. and I, and I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, if we're playing on zoom, I, and you, you can play in bed and lie down. Why wouldn't you do that? But also like at the time I remember feeling like, ah, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just really tired these days. And I, I literally can't sit up in bed for Man. three hours. I, do, just, I need to lie down. <laughs> and your brain was just like, I just must be tired. I just, you're always finding reasons, right? Like they mm -hmm, can't mm -hmm. be something else. And we didn't even know much about long COVID at that point or anything. I mean, we still we? really don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. We don't really know anything now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me, it's basically, it's basically functioning as chronic fatigue in that, you know, I have a sort of a stamina pool during the day fluctuates sort of from day to day and you know i can spend it but i don't necessarily know how big it is yeah so uh it's a it's a little like spell slots i suppose right you sort of sandbag you're hoarding them as much as possible because you never know if you're going to need them later in the day and you seemed like someone who was in relatively at least good shape before this happened so this must That's be a, a big change for you yeah, my, my my um annual physicals anyway were, you know, perfectly normal for like a, a person of my age. Um and now now they're just like, oh, these these are not great numbers. Um, yeah. For a person of your age, you know. Yeah. They're pretty good numbers for a much older person, you know, so there's that. If you were 70, you'd be great. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> I think I I do want to mention before we get any further, like one of the reasons that like I wanted to have this conversation is I know that everybody, like everyone who games goes through a period where like 
there are things that are difficult or you're not available or whatever, right? Like you have a baby and maybe you just don't game for a few months, right? Or you get sick or you go on holiday. It ends up being sort of like the same kind of thing where you're just not available. And it's much easier to just step back and not game when you're not available or like have the flu or whatever, right? And I think like there's a specialness to a chronic illness or a long-term disability or something along those lines where it's not going away. So you could give up your hobby forever, <laughs> which I don't think we want to do, or you figure out ways to accommodate and slash your, hopefully your gaming group also figures out ways to accommodate. Yeah, I needed it. I mean, again, I could not go outside. I, I mm -hmm. just, I was so afraid, right? I just didn't know. No one knew how bad this was going to be. And I was pretty convinced that with my weakened immune system, if I got it, it would be bad. It would be right, really completely bad. completely unvaccinated. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So I so I just hid. And without the ability to game, it would have made it so much more difficult. And just, to, you know, just because you're talking to people for, you know, a couple hours, like that alone was such a nice change from just sitting. And it's weird, like I'm kind of a homebody as is, but when you're made to be at home, it's so different than when you're just choosing to be at home. Like it's a different mental process. If I didn't have these gaming escapes, it would have made it really difficult. And I think that it's great that we're talking about this because if you don't have a chronic illness, it's good to think about it when you're setting up the game. It's good to always be making a little bit of space and to check in with your players. A lot of them probably weren't disabled before COVID and now are. It's been a mass disabling event. The uh, recommendations from psychiatrists now are that literally everybody be checked for anxiety. Because, I mean, we, we, we are all suffering from some level of PTSD. Every time my doctor is like, you know, are you sad and depressed? I'm like, yeah, for the past two and a half years. It's been fairly consistent. Also, the world's on fire. So if you're not, uh, right, are you paying attention? It's hard. To, it's really hard. To, it's really hard to be like generally cheerful right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any specific recommendations for a gaming group that is looking to make itself more accommodating, or for someone who's newly dealing with chronic illness and like? for ways that they should try to carve out some space that might help them. When you have a chronic illness, it's like everything else. You have to be your own advocate. This is just one place where you have to be your own advocate. Again, even in the best, most well-intentioned group, they're, they're going to have blinders if they haven't experienced something like this. So again, you just, you, you, you have to be vocal. If there's a session zero, make sure it's known upfront that you have these requirements. And if you're a DM, ask, like, do people need breaks? Do we need to factor in extra time to, you know, do we have to every hour take a 15 minute break? Do we have to think about where you're seated versus, you know, in an office chair for three hours? Maybe we can, we can get you a boom arm and put you on the couch instead. Maybe we can lie down as you were saying and just everyone accommodate that in some way. You just have to find ways. I mean, if, if you want these people at your table, if they're your friends and you care about them, find ways to accommodate them. Yeah, I think it's a useful litmus test, right? Like sure if, is. 
if these people were easy for you to get along with when you didn't need anything and now suddenly you need some things and they're not easy to get along with, then I guess it turns out they weren't really a great group to begin with. Yeah, there's a lot of people finding fair weather friends right now. Right. And so, you know, maybe it is a a signal to go out and find like a, a better, more accommodating group. And there are a lot of people going through this right now. There's a lot of online organizations of of support, you know, Facebook groups, discords, lots of places where people are talking now, probably for the first time. So if you can't find a group you're with, find a group of people going through the same thing that you can talk about with that in in addition to the gaming. So to sort of dive into maybe some like nitty gritty specifics, I'd say the first thing I would think about is if you are dipping a toe back into getting together in person again, then how, how does that affect your travel? You know, how does that affect the, the method of transportation that you're using to get to whatever location you're getting to? And like, what is the toll that that is going to take on you, whether it's, you know, just difficult to navigate a subway system, given whatever your condition is, or if it's like the physical exertion of having to do it, right? It's certainly a lot more than just flipping on your computer and, you know, plopping down in an armchair, even if you need to like recline as much as possible. With me, the core thing is that I'm still immune compromised. And as long as I want to use my hands, I will be immune compromised. I have not yet gotten COVID. I would like very much for that to continue. But every time I go out my front door, every time I get on a subway, every interaction I have, I'm vulnerable. And there's less and less of us out there who are willing to take the basic steps to protect each other. So it does get scary. I don't drive. So if I go somewhere, it's via public transportation. I could get in an Uber, but is that any better? Like I'm always at risk and I just have to factor that in when I choose to do something. Like I don't drive, but that's because I live in a city. But if you can't rely on your hands and fingers, then I guess it doesn't matter where you live. Driving isn't going to be an option. And certain days are are better. I could wake up and my hands are fine. I could wake up and it's really hard to walk that day. So, and I don't know until I wake up. So even, you know, it just adds an extra layer on to scheduling, which is already very difficult with this game or any TTRPG. (laughs) And then, you know, know, it's like, (laughs) it's impossible. And then I wake up that day and it's really hard for me to move. And it's difficult to be like, guys, I'm pretty beat. I know we've been waiting for three weeks, but I don't know if I can do this. You don't want to say that. So you end up trying and that it's really hard and you don't want to share that it's hard. So you know, there's just there's a lot of this you do by yourself quietly. Right. And then trying to figure out like how much of the burden should I be placing on myself and how much is it reasonable to expect the rest of the group? And I, and I think, you know, if you have a good group and you are actually friends in real life, you do end up finding out that people are are very willing to take on quite a bit of the burden because they want to game with you, right? Like part of the experience is gaming with you. Um, so I would say like a little practical advice would be, you know, if you don't necessarily know how you are going to feel on a given day, 
yes, like schedule these things out. So maybe it's possible to like rest or to make sure that you haven't overexerted yourself or, or, you know, engaged in like a triggering activity before the, the game, but have backups, right? Like, is it possible to switch from IRL to a Zoom game on the fly, right? And, and these are like contingencies that are going to end up benefiting everybody in the end, like think of how many times a game has been canceled because someone is feeling a little like under the weather, but like, are they feeling so sick that they wouldn't want a game if it was online as opposed to actually going somewhere? Or like, maybe that's actually something they would really enjoy doing. Yeah. Maybe they're having car troubles that week and just can't right. make it. But if you all have a Zoom call ready, you can jump right on. Right. If the babysitter like called out sick, so now I can't go anywhere and I still want to game. And now none of us can game because we don't have quorum. But if we had that contingency of being able to like, you know, one person always has the the Zoom link ready just in case, then we can still do it. We don't miss out. And then, hey, the, the game doesn't suffer either. The more you plan, the better in general. And also, like, think about Things you may have to adjust if your games normally ran six hours, maybe they can only run four hours now. Like you have to make the concessions if you want to keep this group together. And I think you're right. Most people do. Most of us are friends who want to see each other and they'll make the changes for you. Someone being sick in your group is definitely not going to be the only interruption in your game. It's just best practices Yeah, for like people having babies let's just say there's so many babies in our group right now quorum is impossible and just in general i think a lot of people have been trained now like because of this event a lot of people now who haven't gamed online have there's a lot more tools that the those tools have gotten considerably better so i think people just this whole event has in addition to many things it's changed in society kind of trained all of us to be able to play online. Yeah, like people know how to use dice rollers now, you know, and different formulas. And some people get really into the exact formulas and you're like, well, I mean, you could just type this four times. I'm like, no, but I could also type it just once. Yeah, no, I'm like, which button do I click? Click like that. <laughs> I'm still there. You click the icon of the die and then it rolls itself. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just figured you could right click on D&D <laughs> Beyond and do advantage like two weeks ago. I just found out right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, like it most most of the time I'm just like, I don't care. Uh honor system, just <laughs> just right. roll and tell me what you got, right? Right. <laughs> Although it is nice that when you're playing online, there's extra tools you mm -hmm. don't have mm -hmm. when you're playing in person. Someone could fudge a dice roll and you didn't quite see it. But as a DM with D&D &D Beyond, I've got a stream of everyone's numbers coming down, right? I know exactly what everyone's rolled. And nobody knows what I rolled. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I openly roll as a DM online. When I'm playing that's, role, that's harsh. I, it's, it's a much different thing because they can, like, mm -hmm. I want them to physically see my dice. I program these extravagant layouts so that we can I'm I try to make it as much at the table as possible and one thing that I think really helps that is when everyone can see the dice roll at the same time so if, if, if a natural 20 pops up we all see it pop up like that's really mm -hmm. important to me but that means I had to roll openly and rolling openly in front of a table is a much different experience than you can 
couch a die roll once in a while, you know, to help the group out so you don't actually kill somebody. You got to yeah. be more on your toes when it's all open. You got you to gotta plan those stat blocks appropriately. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you can trim off hit points here, make an AC a little bit easier. You can still do it. It just takes a little bit more effort. Yeah, and and there's no like pulling back the enemy crit, right? Mm -mm, and like everyone there. can do the very simple math in their head of, oh, you're paced. It makes it a little bit more dangerous, but also, you know, as as a game master, keeps you on your toes more, keeps it a little bit more engaged because you have because that that safety is no longer on. Well, so this is a good segue into GMing because you are known as a GM, I think, to most people. Do you have any GM specific tips for prep? when you don't necessarily know like what your energy level is going to be on like a given day or, you know, the week leading up when you are, you know, need to sort of sit down and like really focus on like plotting out a story or writing a stat block or things like that. The main things for me is planning time, giving yourself extra time to get things done, giving yourself extra time to take breaks, like really having an honest conversation with yourself about what you will need versus what you want to do. And then being very open with my players, like this is what I need. Those needs may change rapidly depending on my physical feeling at any given moment. We'll be open about that. I'll tell you when I feel things changing, I'll give you as much notice as I possibly can. But do expect that sometimes my body will just stop me from doing what I want to do. And also, I like to make plans of getting things together. Like if I like certain snacks, if I like certain drinks, if I know I'll need this, like I do a lot more prep work than I have ever done before just with stuff so that I don't have to think about or do extra steps right before the, the game actually starts. And then I also plan aftercare. I know that I'm going to be wiped for a couple hours. So I don't have anything scheduled. I make sure I can just have some time afterwards to do nothing because I know I'll need it to recover. One of the issues that I have is that changing elevation because that changes my blood pressure and like it takes a little while for my my like heart to be like, oh, right, I, you need to get more more blood to your extremities because you're standing up now, you know, things like that. So you know, just little things like, okay, I'm seated and I have all my things around and like we're playing now. Oh, I forgot my drink. I forgot my food or I want to like move something to the kitchen or whatever. The, like the act of standing up, moving a thing, getting a different thing, coming back and sitting back down is actually like more taxing than like lifting something heavy while still seated, which is like weird for me to think about and has sort of taken me some time to sort of wrap my head around. Um, but absolutely, I like gather everything together in my little like dragon horde <laughs> within easy arm's reach. So I can just be like, all right, not going anywhere. Yeah, I love that you called it a dragon horde, because one thing I've discovered is that if you make the stuff fun, boy, is it easier because there's all this little stuff you have to do. You know, it's all a pain in the ass, but you make it fun. You make it a game like that. And it does get a little bit easier. Yeah, it's a little a little Scrooge McDucky, right? Like <laughs> I've just I've built a bed out of all my like dice and gaming accessories and anything that I might need. Just sort of like tuck it under me if I need where wherever it needs to go, right? And now now here's I'm on my my gaming chaise. 
that I have constructed. I'm more foggy with the with the pills I'm taking, so I find myself mm-hmm. using a lot more post-its. Like I, I like I have to remember that my character does this and this and this, and there's now post-its around my monitor to help me remember. I wouldn't have done that before. It's so interesting that like a lot of this boils down to normal good best practices for gaming, right? Like one of the pieces of advice we keep throwing out is like, keep your NPCs really simple, you know, like don't have too many fiddly bits that you're going to forget because anything you forget may as well not have existed. Right. Um, Have all your stuff in one place. That's great. You know, that's great. If like, you know, you have blood pressure issues, it's great if you have ADHD, right? Like I put everything where I can see it and now I won't forget it. When you accommodate disability correctly, you accommodate everyone. Every Mm -hmm. time you make something a little bit easier to access, it's a little bit easier for everyone. So, yeah, these are excellent. These are usually things everyone should do, you know, as you said, best practices, but you don't really think about it. You don't really attempt to do it until you have to or until you're faced with it. Um, Along the lines of prep, I'd also say, like, if you are gaming at at home, right? If it's an online session, if you can put together an area where you are always gaming, then you can set it up so that it is best for you, right? Most convenient for you, most accommodating for what you'll need in the moment, right? And, you know, if you, a lot of us, especially in the city of small places, and it isn't a place that can always be that, right? But if you can be in the same general area or have the same general setup wherever you might be, then it makes it easy to not forget things, right? You just, you know, like all these things go in these places. Um, and now I'm ready to game. Your audio has to work. Your lights have to work so people can see you. Your internet connection has to work. There's all these little technical things you have to go through that can be a real pain in the ass that you have to make sure works in order to play the game. And I'd say like, if you're host, like if you're hosting uh, and an IRL session, then these are just like additional things that you'll pick up and then accommodate for along the lines of the kinds of things you're already doing anyway, because you're a good host, right? Like you're putting out snacks. Yeah, exactly. Making sure they got Mountain Dew. You, uh, you put the person who's left-handed at the head of the table so they're not smacking arms with everyone else while we all decide to eat, right? This person is seated closest to the bathroom because that's where everyone has decided they are going to sit. You just add a few extra things. Now we are taking a few extra breaks. Now we're thinking about maybe we need it to be a little bit warmer because Aram's joints don't work. I mean, right. or, or I have comfy blankets or whatever, you know? Yeah, make sure. You, yeah, maybe people can't all sit at hardback chairs, and maybe you have to actually game on couches in the living room. And you know, instead, there's little extra things to prep. But you're right; it's just part of normal prep because when you're going to have people hang out for three, four, five, six hours, you need to make accommodations. It's fun to be able to meet people's needs when you're when you like being a host. And if you're gaming at if everyone's gaming at your place, you'd like to be a host. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't take medication constantly. And so I don't take it on a particular schedule. I take it as needed. But if I'm having a bad day and I'm gaming that day, I know that I'll probably need to take it. So I try to time 
the taking of the medication so that its maximum efficacy coincides with the gain. Yes, Sam. If I have a long game, I will delay my arthritis meds until later in the afternoon because they do tend to they do tend to taper off a bit towards the evening. I get a little bit stiffer. Also, that's just inactivity with arthritis. When you're not moving, it settles in. So sitting at a table for six hours is going to be a more intense experience than if I was up and walking around for those six hours. Also, because my meds just, you know, they're always side effects. You're either your stomach or you're tired or you're a little bit foggy or maybe you're just too jittery to sit in one place. There's always going to be something. You got to be one of those stalking GMs, right? Who's towering. This is part of a, like now all the NPCs are imposing. That's just, just what I'm going with today. <laughs> no, none of my NPCs have any idea about personal space. That's the theme for the day. <laughs> They're just this up in your grill. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like you at all. They don't like your <laughs> attitude. It's a weird town, guys. Maybe we should go somewhere else. <laughs> this town sucks. <laughs> so speaking of like that kind of characterization, has thinking about your illness and like accommodating it, like obviously it's affected your real life and the way that like you sort of present in the world. Has it affected the way that you present in game or like the types of characters that you play or want to play. It makes me think about it more certainly. Um, I think we talked about this where everyone has their, if zombies up here, how do I get out scenario. Mm -hmm. And before I had arthritis, there was a lot more planning. And now there's just like, <laughs> you know, maybe that, maybe that's a lot of effort that I don't need to make. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if that's an option for me now. So I, I do think about like, what would my, how would my character be in this world if it was harder to hold their sword? How would they be in this world if they got tired more quickly? How would a fantasy world adapt and accommodate these illnesses and these troubles that I've been going through? What would that look like? And I do think it's incredibly important to have those elements show up either as a player or as a DM, have them visual in the world. Because if you don't, then it's just like anything else. If, if, if something isn't there, if it's not talked about, if it's, if it's not part of the world, then it feels other and that can make people feel other. So I just find ways to accommodate it into the story and into the fabric of that, of that world to make people who are going through something, you know, feel a little less other about it. Right. Normalizing it in game because, I mean, just sort of like your very presence is normalizing it in real life. Yeah. And also just work your way through it. I mean, a lot of, I know so many people who went into COVID lockdown, pretty sure about their gender identity and came out of it with a completely <laughs> new idea. You find out things about yourself in yeah. gaming. When, when you have time to just sit and think and explore, you're going to find out a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I gravitate toward this type of character because of wish for, wait, wish fulfillment. Hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. If you're playing the same character every single time, like, no, I'm just curious. Mm, you are curious. You're answering questions. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I really like the, the sort of like self-assessment of, you know, where does your fantasy life and where does your like apocalyptic scenarios go right like same as you i think like before 
I was sick. I was like, hmm, I should really get like LASIK so that if the apocalypse happens, I don't need to worry about glasses because, oh, you man, know, you were deep in it. <laughs> I know. Right. It's like it's always it's always like, oh, the the person with the glasses gets knocked over and like that they're screwed they're dead they're never going to find their glasses yeah. right and now they can't see anything but laser eye surgery and i'll be perfectly fine and all i need to do is blah 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 right and now it's like i can't run 100 yards right you, you know so it went from being like okay how am i going to like heroically survive and now it's a bit like i mean what's a good heroic last stand blaze of glory to like let everyone else escape right because like i'm not I fully accepted that I'm not surviving. I'm the jump scare in the third episode when they have to go into the city to raid like a, you know, Walgreens. And I'm the guy who was in a closet because I was hiding and got bit there. That's where you're going to see me in the episode. <laughs> that or now, right now it's like, how do I play dead? <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait, I am. This right, is really right. easy. That's right. I'm just, I'm lying on, on the ground because that's my natural position now. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 46 year old city boy with arthritis. <laughs> I mean, you know, I had plans to like, if I can get to the Hoover Dam, the Hoover Dam will operate for seven years and electricity will continue. No chance now. <laughs> Some might call it nihilism, but, but maybe like a little more like practicality, right? Like, um, gruffness um uh, gallows uh, humor is yeah, a huge yeah. huge boon when you're going through something like this if you can find some dark humor in it it'll help a lot and i think like it makes its way into my characters right like i think i think a theme that were in a lot of characters that i played was like some version of immortality or living forever or like making you know an indelible mark on history or whatever right like the normal heroes hero's journey like i'm turning into a constellation type stuff and i think a lot of my characters now have taken this turn where like they know they're gonna die and actually they're fine with dying it's like part of the natural order of things right it's almost like a philosophical nearly religious belief that like you should die everyone should die right which which you know is helpful if you're playing like a a, a gray paladin <laughs> who ends up slaughtering a lot of people you know it's a good philosophy when you're younger and you play these games, there's a there's a very black and white certainty to everything. As you get older, that tends to change more. Your characters evolve more. When they're facing difficulties, when things aren't always easy, when you introduce elements of struggle and failure, as opposed to just winning all the time or striving to win all the time, you come up with a much more interesting character. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find stories and elements of that character that are that 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 feel far more real than if they weren't going through these things and again they become mirrors for us we can reflect ideas test out how we feel and just have a much richer experience overall yeah absolutely we may have touched on this a little bit but do you feel like your experience with being sick has had any positive effects on how you game or you know your your outlook when it comes to characters or gming or anything like that i'm also autistic so i tend to have a little bit of issue with boundaries and also i tend to not be as aware when i'm hogging the stage as i probably would be without it because 
I get tired more now because there's these things I have to look out for. I find myself accommodating other people more. And that because I'm already in the place where I'm at the mindset where I'm having to consider the next hour more than I would normally. It allows me to consider time more and give more room for other people. I'm not sure if that's because I'm just generally more thoughtful towards others or because there's so much energy put into, okay, what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes that I end up making this room? I mean, it does engender empathy, right? Which I think in general just makes you a better gamer and a like a better person at a table. That makes me so mad. And let me tell you why. Because in every fantasy story, in every like whenever the person gets injured, whenever something chronic happens to them, they get bitter and evil. It's mm. never mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. where it changes them. They become better and more open, like except maybe Barbara from Batman, right? Like the, mm. there are very few instances where it actually becomes something where you see them change and be better and more open. And that's what happens. You think about things in others in different ways, but in all these stories, it's their villain origin. Right. Like I'm the arthritis man now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying... Have you considered this is a great villain origin story? I mean, you have an opportunity. <laughs> I have thought about it. Like, <laughs> I'll put you all on strings like puppets and you'll feel like I feel. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's like it's the, the Mr. Glass thing. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. wait, you're the bad guy. Right. Mm, that seems inappropriate. <laughs> no, it seems much more likely that you would seek these people out in order to help, in order to share experiences and talk and learn not to punish and manipulate. Being sick can provide a useful rein in on maybe some of our unhealthy proclivities. We're both men in a patriarchy. Yep. <laughs> and is it necessarily the worst thing, the worst thing in the world to like have to pause <laughs> and not run full steam ahead over like everyone else in the room? Because I am performing. You're absolutely right. I mean, as like um, as a white presenting man, right, of a certain age who has full mobility, I have advantages that you don't even begin to think about until you hit something like this where we're just strolling through life, really. I mean, just strolling through it and completely unaware that we are until something like this happens. And it does force you to think about everything and everyone just a little bit differently. Yeah, like it has, like I said before, very specifically the breath thing, right, has made it so that there are moments when I might have spoken up where I can now feel very justified in just sort of sitting back and letting other people talk and i think you find i mean especially with the privilege of with the privilege of being a man is that eventually people are going to be like hey what do you think you know yeah every time like, right like it's not it's not like my voice is lost in in like in any way it's really interesting you say that because as a stutterer as someone who has always mm. struggled to speak and always been worried about the next word, like I know that feeling so well. And to hear someone else step into that is really interesting. Having a, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is something that you can relate to that. Like sort of have, knowing that I kind of have like a word budget, 
Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it One, it makes me more thoughtful in like what I say, but also like as a writer, it's been really fascinating. It makes more, me more thoughtful in how I say things, which I think makes me better in how I say things. You're constantly editing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because you need to, but also what comes out of your mouth is now more practiced and thoughtful. There's a idea in improv, the power of silence, right? Mm -hmm. Where the more you don't speak, the more power you generate. So in that quietness, you're actually building your power as opposed to your power being taken away from you. I'm just practicing, just practicing. (laughs) (laughs) I felt your power. And I think like from a like more practical gaming perspective, having a limited budget of energy where I need to spend it on taking care of a baby and going to work and like being a good partner and like taking care of a household, right? And gaming is that the the limited time and energy that I have to spend on the game means that I want to be efficient, almost like ruthlessly efficient on what I spend my time on and how I spend it. But but I think what that means is I'm better at prepping, partially because it means I'm doing less prep, but that usually means that you're doing better prep, right? Because I think lots of times you don't need to prep the thing that you've just prepped. Everything becomes, do I have to to do this? So even your prep is more efficient. Because like, well, I can mm-hmm. prep this, but I'm not going to read this for two hours. We're just going to forget about that or roll with it when we have to. Like everything becomes a bit of accommodation. Right. And then, I mean, this sort of goes back to the the point before about like, it just ends up becoming best practices, right? Like you are forced into doing all of the advice that people tell you to do, which is don't overprepare, don't overthink, like don't worry about, you don't have time to do any of that. You don't have energy to do any of that, right? Like you do what you can and you collapse into bed and then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I, I guess this is what I have to work with. Right. It does. It does make things a little easier. Like a lot of times before mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, did I do everything I could do today? Well, I have a firm answer usually now. Like, yep, yeah. I did all I could have done that day. <laughs> Like the se- the sessions go great. They they are not worse for me having prepped less. In fact, sometimes they are better <laughs> for that very reason. And you end up appreciating them more when it is something that isn't as available or as easy as it was before. I do wonder, like in the future, if this is going to lead to the kinds of changes that we do see in the workforce, where like you're just not going to need to game have to game locally anymore if you don't want to you know and like while that matters less here in new york city i think it's going to mean a lot in like much more rural places or even just like for the longevity of gaming groups as they mature from high school to college to working and beyond as people move to different cities or different countries or whatever maybe we're just like maybe we'll just keep the band together you know It's a dual thing, right? It gives a lot of opportunities for people to continue these groups and these friendships and these stories where physically they wouldn't be able to. That's why a lot of these groups fall apart. We're also putting up massive barriers for people without internet connectivity, without access. So in a way for us, for privileged people, absolutely, we we have much more access. For others, we're just building further and further walls that are keeping them out of the hobby. 
And I worry about that a lot. It will be interesting to see when there are these types of changes, right? Especially like shifting toward, you know, more digital focus, whether it's followed up by more digital access or whether that's even necessarily the solution, right? Like, I don't think the solution to not everybody being able to game online is like making sure that everyone can game online. It also might just be like making sure we have more robust, friendly local gaming stores. And that if you do live in a, you know, a town of 4,000 people that there's a, there's enough of an ecosystem where like if one asshole runs the store, you're not locked out. And also you can play games at other places. The local um, out center, the LGBTQIA uh, center in my area has a monthly D&D session because I was like, hey, wouldn't this be fun? Like you can find ways to game in other places with other people in person and take advantage of those groups and those connections. And I also think that even as we push more and more virtual, that's just going to make the table game that much more special. It'll be like a handwritten note on really nice paper. It'll become this <laughs> fancier thing. It'll be like a Valentine. It'll be like candles, right? Ever present until they weren't. And now, ooh, we've lit candles. Wow. It'll be like sex in person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> People even do that anymore. I mean... <laughs> I think we've been seeing this. Um, I, I think we still have, you know, obviously a long, a long way to go. But I, but I think I, I have faith, maybe weirdly, um, that like the gaming community can do something similar. We have not, we've definitely not always risen to the challenge. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, but it is a combined voice that's, active and does push in general for change you know the long arc of the universe and everything right it, it does feel like there's a lot of stumbling but there's also a, a big swell that does constantly push it forward and, and at the very least challenge ideas when they come up usually very loudly so i think to wrap this up here Anything that you're doing to accommodate for people with chronic illnesses is probably also going to be more accommodating for people with disabilities, people who might just need accommodations because they have young children or car trouble or whatever. And in general, it's just going to make everybody's life at the table easier because it makes the experience better and more accessible. Aram, thank you for being uh, on the front, in the front of the mic. Is that is that how this is now? It's yeah. a It's a directional mic. No, that's mic. how I do it. Whenever I edit, I turn my mic completely around. <laughs> you have to. Just... <laughs> uh, and I think we'll have you back. What do you think? I'd love that. Well, I have to come back for Flame Wind, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. There's, there's going to be plenty more Flame Wind for you. Don't you worry. Excellent. All right, so let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. Wait, hang on. Where, where? Is that right? I just did that out of, <laughs> literally out of complete No, I love that. I, let's, just, <laughs> no, I love that. Let's leave that in, but I'm I'm going to skip Shane. You can tweet at Ishin at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill.gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and Find us on Discord. It's a fun group. There's a link in the show notes.
Before we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters because your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show. So if you want to learn more, check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. And next week, next week, one week from now, we are back to the actual play uh, and further adventures of Tess Proudgale, assuming that Shane is uh, recuperated from whatever illness that requ- that requires and deserves accommodation, I will add. Needs a long that rest. That he's currently suffering from. Yes, right. A long rest and then he'll get a, his, all his HP back and be fine. That's right. That's how it works. Wouldn't that be great? Man. <laughs> Sleep for eight hours and like, you know, I'm healed. Be amazing. All right. That's it for episode 326 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we've lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Ishan. And I'm Aram. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.